Welcome to Flyover Conservative Podcast with David and Stacey Whited, where we break down current events and examine culture through the lens of conservative Christian values. All right, Flyover family, I am so excited about today's show. Every yep. time that we have this guest on, David and I are like, oh, this is such an incredible show. I can't uh. wait for everyone to see it, for everyone to experience it. Today's guest is, uh, you see him at the Reawaken America. Uh, you'll see him in his flag jacket. He's uh, like the side man for Clay He basically runs Clark. the whole thing, tells he, Clay what to do. He Clay really does. He, he's, the, he's the puppet master of the Reawaken event. No doubt about it. In fact, you see him on the Thrive Time show. He is the guy with a ton of wisdom. He comes on. Every time he like drops a, a wisdom bomb, we're like, Whoa. oh, that is so good. And he's the vice president of Shaw Homes. Welcome to the show, Aaron Ante. Well, that was an amazing introduction. I, I was like, I want to meet this guy. He sounds like <laughs> oh, I'd like a cool jacket. <laughs> you do yeah. have a cool jacket. Oh, uh, well, thank you guys. It's an honor to be here, and I love being with you guys uh, anytime I can get either on stage, side stage, or on your show. I just love hanging out with you guys. You're some of my favorite humans on the planet. Uh, well, we feel the exact same way about you and about your family. Um, and your dog. And your dog, Flynn. He's amazing. We want to add, so excited about today because we're going to be talking about hidden messages in lost art. And if Flyover Family, if you're watching this and you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about, then you need to go back and watch pe- past episodes. You can go to theflyoverapp.com. When you do, you're going to find it actually all in one place. You can find all of these messages from Aaron. It's a very powerful thing. You want to go want to go back. But Aaron, for people that haven't seen the show before with you, tell them a little bit about this lost art and how these hidden messages have come to life. Yeah, absolutely. So my father, Harry Antis, he was actually uh, a very famous wildlife artist. He painted paintings of deer and ducks and wolves and you name it. If it had fur or feathers, my dad did paintings of it. He did a little over 200 paintings. He's in museums all over the country. Um, He was the national artist of the year for Whitetails Unlimited, Ducks Unlimited. Um, So he just, you know, did deer stamps and duck stamps for many different states And then, um, you know, things changed all of a sudden one year. And uh, I was actually 13 years old when this happened. So, you know, it was just five or six years ago, as you can tell. Yeah, exactly. Um, So, no, we, uh, I was like 13 years old. And one day my dad had an open vision where he actually saw the hand of Christ in front of him with the nail piercing it and Mm -hmm. blood running out of the hand. I remember when it happened, we were standing in the lobby of the church I grew up in and he was kind of freaking out and everybody around him was wondering what was going on. And over the next hour or so, it grew the image in his mind. Every time he closed his eyes, it got bigger and bigger until it became an entire image of the crucifixion of Christ. And, um, Mm -hmm. So my dad was like, what do I do with this? And as he prayed, the Lord said, I want you to paint it. And so he did. And about two years later, he had a second vision. He was at a Christmas party at a good family friend of ours about a mile down the street from the home I grew up in. And they were singing Christmas carols and they were Lutherans, you know, so they had hymnals and stuff like in the old days. And yeah. Opened up a hymnal they were singing Away in a Manger, and in the upper right-hand corner of the hymnal, there was a little caricature drawing of Mary and Joseph with the manger in between them and baby Jesus in it. And my dad said when he looked at that caricature, 
it was like the floor below him opened up and he could see down into the basement of the home. And what he saw became what you can see in in our uh, in the painting, which is the nativity, which was the birth of Christ. And so he saw that whole image unfold in front of him. And that time he sketched it all out really quick on a eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper. He realized he was having a vision again, sketched the whole thing out. I still have that sheet of paper, actually. Wow. Um, Yeah, which is pretty cool. And, uh, And so he decided to paint that after, you know, prayerfully considering it. And then he asked the Lord, what do you want me to do with this? Like, I do wildlife art. What is this? And The Lord said, I've shown you my son's birth and his death. Now I want you to paint the reason for both. And it set him on a mission where my dad actually spent the last 12 years of his life painting 12 paintings on the life of Christ. And each one is humongous. Like the paintings you're seeing on the screen there, some of them are 12 feet wide, 8 feet tall. They weigh like 350 pounds in the frames. Um, and so they're, they're enormously large. And of course my dad made prints of them that are much smaller. So, you know, um, they're, they're like, you know, a little, little bit easier manageable to yep. hang it on a wall. And, um, so that was kind of, uh, what happened. It set him on a different path. And, you know, my dad always said he went from wildlife to eternal life as mm-hmm. a subject matter, which is what all of us go through. You, you know, I went through a wildlife and yep. then I turned the eternal life side. <laughs> and, um, you know, so then he painted all these paintings and he finished the last one and he died and went to heaven. And um, my mom ended up having some memory problems and stuff. And so we actually years later didn't know where the paintings were. And during the reawaken events, um, I just was prompted that I needed to share the stories from these paintings. And so I went and looked for him. It took me a while to find him, but eventually got a hold of a late, a friend of mine who was like, Hey, they're actually in the basement of the church. Your parents went to, I called this lady up. It was three days before she was going to auction all the prints off and you know, they were going to be gone forever. And so I told her who I was and she's like, well, I would much rather your family have them. We just need our basement back after 20 years. (laughs) And so they are now, they've been shipped a day later. They got shipped to Clay's office. They're at the Thrive Time Show headquarters now. I know you guys have seen them there. Yeah. And uh, so that's where they are today. And I'm just trying to share the message about what my dad painted. And there's so many things that are inside of these paintings that the Lord showed my dad. But then there's so many things that other people saw in the paintings years after my dad passed yeah. away that they started sharing with us. And it was like, these paintings truly, everybody's like, man, it's so amazing what your dad did by his own hands. Mm-hmm. And I said, I say what's more amazing is that these were painted by the hand of God. And Woo. it's so amazing what he did. So you can go check them out at shawhomes.com forward slash paintings. Um, for the Flyover family, we give a discount that brings it down to a total price of $77 a painting. If you use the promo code flyover, it's $77 for a print. 
And, um, you know, the money from that all goes towards supporting amazing, uh, amazing causes like what the Flyover Conservative family is fighting for and continuing to help shows like this stay out there, stay on the air and be able to get the amazing messages across that they are. So we just donate 100 percent of the proceeds to um, flyovers and to your guys show. Guys, I believe so much in what you're doing and your dedication uh, to this country and to doing, you know, the things you can and getting 80 million people to just do one thing right each Man. day. Yep. Um, so that's, I'm all about that. And I know our viewers are too. So I that's love what, that. I love each of these have, 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 have layers and layers and layers of, of meaning. You know, it's like, it's like a really good story. It makes sense on the face value. And then there, Oh, there's an analogy to it. The whole thing actually means something else. Yep. And then there's meanings within the pieces. These paintings have that kind of effect. And I love it. You know, if you guys want just some good Bible teaching, if you're kind of new to walking with the Lord and you're kind of, uh, you know, what what's what in these, Aaron, each one of these paintings, we've gone through and unpacked them and, and, and under, you know, used that as a mm-hmm. backdrop or metaphor for great Bible teaching. So mm-hmm. um, if you want to go back and listen to them, they're fun. They're interesting. He's an incredible teacher, as you're about to, to see as we go into a new one. But the way that your dad painted these, you can really tell that he was working in conjunction with God. Yeah, you know, yeah. he was using his gifting. Mm-hmm. It's not like your dad never knew how to paint and he just picked up a paintbrush and God, you know, did it. He was using his skill, his his fish and loaves, and God took it and just multiplied it into a whole nother thing. It's just it's almost like a prophetic word in art. It's just beautiful. It is. It's interesting too. I remember shortly after the paintings arrived at Thrive Time Show, we were actually there, and uh, you were sharing uh, with us about the paintings, and you were you know walking through some of the things with us. We we're like, the Flyover family has to see this because this is absolutely amazing. That's why we decided to start the series. Is because. We were gaining so much from it, and we we're like, we have this connection. We want to connect the Flyover family to you to hear what God is saying, because He's still speaking today. Your dad painted them, you know, a couple decades ago, but the Lord is using these today during this time, which is so amazing. Amen. And I remember that day watching both of you be in tears while we talked yes. about it. So moving, and you guys were like, "We need to get this." Yeah. On yep. the show. Everybody needs to hear this. Yeah, so it's thank true. you. For that. It's powerful. So we're going to be talking about Nicodemus today. I am really excited to to hear about this painting and to see what the Lord's shown you. Amen. Well, yeah, this painting, Jesus, and the technical title is Jesus and Nicodemus, and um, you know, it, it's really an interesting concept because I think when you look at it, it's very striking. There's a lot of darkness and light in it, which is Mm -hmm. very interesting. We're living in a day and a time where there's great darkness and there's great light. And so that juxtaposition of the two is something that's a battle that's been going on for all of history of mankind, right? Is this battle between the light and the dark. And you Mm -hmm. see it strikingly in this painting. And I think a lot of people don't really know what this story is about. And when you see this painting, it on the surface level, you're like, hmm, I wonder what this <laughs> they're talking about. Yeah. Well, if you've ever been to a football game or maybe watched a football game on TV, have you ever seen somebody holding up a sign in the end zone that says John 316? Right? I have, yep. 
I, I remember when I was a kid, I was like, Dad, what does that mean? Does that mean there's a guy named John and he's in section three? <laughs> like, what is that? You know? So my dad laughed at me too. And he's like, he's like, no, no, that's that is for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's a Bible verse. And I was like, oh, okay. And what's interesting is this painting is about the story of John chapter 3 leading up to verse 16, Mm. which is a story a lot of people aren't very familiar with. Like, that's the end of the story is John 3, 16. But what's the rest of the story? And so this is the rest of the story. It's really the image is like a frozen moment in time catching the astonishment of this man named Nicodemus as he came to Jesus. And Jesus at this very moment is talking to him about a concept that just baffles this religious leader. He was like one of the top guys of the religious leaders of that time in Israel. And Jesus in verse three of John chapter three had just said to him, verily, verily, I say to you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus is like, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb? So, you know, he's sitting there going, what are you talking about? I have no concept or understanding of what this is that you're saying. And so I want to like give you a little bit of context here about Nicodemus. He's a Pharisee. So a Pharisee was like a religious ruler He had great political power in Israel at that time. And, um, you know, there's he's coming here at night in this scene. Right. And night is representing like a spiritual darkness in Scripture oftentimes. So he comes to seek the insight of the one who's literally called the light of the world. Right. And he comes to him in darkness in the night and he comes to the light of the world at night And isn't this so representative of us in our own lives? We come in darkness to the light of the world. And it's such an amazing encounter when we have that moment. So Nicodemus, you know, he should understand spiritual things. He is a very high up religious leader. What would you say be comparable today? It'd be like sitting around, it'd almost be like a combination of like, like like a U.S. senator and somebody that had all the weight of like, you know, I don't know who would be the biggest preacher, you know, in you know in 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 America, but you know it would be like the equivalent of a Joel Osteen and a U.S. senator or somebody like that, somebody that's very recognizable. It would, you know, in both realms. It would technically be like the combination of a senator and the Pope at the same time. Yeah, that yeah. would be the combination of what this would be. I mean, he literally has the highest level in the religious leadership. But he also has a great deal of power in the political sector. So it'd be kind of both of those. Okay, that makes sense. Great question. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, like, you know, there's a lot of leaders today, though, that are also unaware of spiritual things, you know, like, I mean, you could talk about Raphael Warnock, you know, it's like, would Jesus approve of abortions? I don't think so. Does he not realize that? Like, how do certain people not understand this? But As Nicodemus comes to him that day, he's dressed in all black, right? And then you look at um, just everything that he's dressed in. Okay, this is very interesting. The sleeves on his, you know, arms are red. 
Well, this represents the blood of the prophets that was on the hands of the Pharisees Ooh. at this time. So the Pharisees and the kings that were in power frequently didn't like what the prophets said. And because the prophets would call them out and he would upset their evil little things they had going on. So what would happen? They would kill the prophets. And I, I am mean, so glad all that's behind us. Oh, yeah. No, that's not a problem today. We, we've we've right? come yeah. so far. <laughs> I, I, we've been talking about that a lot lately, how much under fire the prophets are under right now. I know something big is getting ready to happen because they are under major fire. Oh, yeah. And as I was like preparing for this today, I, I was like, man, is this not exactly <sighs> what we're doing right now? Wow. Exactly. And what's so interesting is it's, the religious people who have the blood of the prophets mm -hmm. on their hands. Yes. Like mm. think about, think about who was trying to make sure Jesus was crucified. I mean, yep. it wasn't the political leaders of Rome. It was the Pharisees that yep. wanted him. Yeah. You know, yeah. so they were the ones leading the crowd to say, crucify him and mm -hmm. let Barabbas go. And Pontius Pilate is going, there's Washington no blood on my hands. You know, yep. he's like, it wasn't me. So he comes with these red sleeves, you know, and then you look on the top of his head and he has white on the top of his head, which represents that he had some spiritual understanding. He's got some insight, but it's head knowledge at this moment. Right. And then you see a little bit of white, like right at the, you know, top of his chest there and showing that there's a little bit of his inner man that's like, I know there's something here as I come to him this night. And then if you kind of scroll down there to Nicodemus, you can see at the bottom there, where are his feet positioned here? By the fire. His feet are literally in the fires of hell at this mm -hmm. moment. As he comes to him, this is a spiritual representation of where he is at that moment. If he were to die at this moment, hell would be his destination because at this point he hasn't been born again. But you can see that one of his feet is actually stepping out of the fire towards Jesus, which is very representation, very representative of what he's doing at this moment. He's taking a step out of the fires of hell and towards the light of the world to come to him that night and say, what do you mean I have to be born again? Mm -hmm. Very interesting. And then you see the three white-robed figures on the right-hand side. Interesting that they're on the right. Yes, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> and so, you know, and yet the one who has, you know, not been born again yet is on the left. It's, it's yep. very interesting. Um, so it's it's a moment here where he's talking to these three robed figures. Well, hey, hey, Aaron, can, can I just interject there with a question? Because I, I'm, there might be a lot of people watching that would have this question. At that moment, Jesus hadn't died on the cross and not risen from, from the grave. You know, what kind of a, there'd be people wondering like there's what kind of a burden would there have been for him to have been born again? Because it really wasn't an opportunity up till that, you know, moment. It, but they kind of had their own process for redemption through the sacrifice of lambs and so forth, it became very representative, but there was no true heart connection to it. Is that kind of the point there? Yeah. Or or is it because of this is more like prophetically a an invitation of what is to come as far as the ability to, you know, be cleansed, to be saved, to be born again? Because that wasn't really an opportunity for them in that window up until this point. 
And I think the thing is, is I think that all of Israel had the opportunity at that moment and Jesus meeting with one of their highest leaders at that moment, they could have made a decision to make a pivot because he did come for all of mankind. Mm -hmm. You know, he came for Israel. But mm-hmm. what was interesting is he also pivots to the Gentiles yep. shortly after this. You'll see that pivot happen in his ministry. And you'll see what happens even after he's gone, how there's this pivot back. Hey, let's not forget about the Jews. Mm-hmm. That's who we came for in the first place. And this wrestling match actually goes on all through the entire book of Acts. All of the disciples re- are, are really wrestling with this entire subject. You go to Acts chapter 12, Acts chapter 15, where the Council of Jerusalem happens, where they're going, hey, are we allowed to you know, t- tell these Gentiles about the Holy Spirit or not? There's that whole vision with Peter that happens. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I think at this moment, Jesus is trying to say, hey, you have an opportunity too, and it's coming. And he he's talking to a very high leader who could have shared it with many other leaders in Israel. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely an interesting moment. Hello, Flyover family. Join me every Wednesday for the Prophetic Report at 1111 Central. You can find it on Rumble. You can find it on the Flyover app. We have such an incredible time of hearing from all of these different prophetic voices like Robin Bullock, Julie Green, Barry Wunsch, Amanda Grace, and Hank Kuhneman. Every week, it's either five or six different prophets that are speaking. And what's interesting is God is speaking through them. And all of these voices come together like puzzle pieces. It is so exciting to hear what the Lord is saying. We're hearing from medical. We're hearing from military intelligence. We're hearing from the financial world. We're hearing from mainstream media. But the most important is, what is God saying? He has not fallen off the throne. He's not nervous. He's not chewing his nails. He is in control. He has plans to prosper us and not to harm us. What a great time to be alive. And I'm so excited for you to join me every Wednesday at 1111. Have you ever wondered about ancient civilizations or the moon landing, chemtrails, the Nephilim, demons? Those are all things that fascinate me. Decided to use our platform of the Flyover Conservative podcast and create a new show called Conspiracy Conversations. Every Saturday morning, we get together with some of the brightest minds in the world that have spent thousands of hours on a topic, churning through the research, looking at things they've traveled, they've been to the locations, they're looking for the truth because they're as curious as you and I are about what's true. What is really true about our past, where we came from, where we are, and where we're going? We don't bring on guests to iron out their wrinkles and find out the things that we disagree on. No more than I go to the grocery store and and, and try to put everything in the whole store in my cart. I just try to walk out with better ideas than I had when I walked in. If you got something inside you that's like, what about that? I don't even know if I agree, but I would like to hear them out. If you have an open mind and a curious heart, we've got a show for you every Saturday morning at eight o'clock, conspiracyconversations.com. Most architects and engineers know nothing about the third worst structural failure in modern history. This does not happen by office fires. 
The collapse of World Trade Center 7 was primarily due to fire. Not one of them has ever collapsed, not even these after 9-11. What buildings have come down like this? Controlled demolition. We did not find any evidence that explosives were used. You heard explosions. Big explosion. Just seen a big flash. Like a boom. We have more information of bombs, like an explosion. Office fires don't melt steel. So what's going on here? Is there enough to warrant an investigation? There, um, and I, I kind of wonder, I believe that Nicodemus actually did get born again. That's my own personal, uh, we could mm-hmm. we could go into that another time, but that's my own personal sure. belief there. But these three white robed figures here, you know, you've got the one on the far right there, um, interestingly on the far right, who's got his arms crossed and you don't see his face. This is the father God and no one can ever see his face and live, but he's got his arms crossed because he's not doing, he's not currently the one actively doing his part. He's standing behind Jesus, letting Jesus do his part right now. And Jesus is the one just, you know, um, sitting down facing Nicodemus that he's talking to. And you can see his face there. And then the third white robed figure is that you can only see the back and you can see the hood, um, we would say is the Holy Spirit. Or in this image, you could kind of say he's the Holy Ghost because he's sort of this cloaked figure that you can't really see. Mm-hmm. I think it's very interesting. His position is in between Jesus and the Father and us, because that is his position is to reveal the things of the Father and to reveal what Jesus is saying to reveal it to us. So he is in that position in between us to be the revealer. And so um, those are the people that he's talking to, although he thinks he's just talking to Jesus that night. And so um, it's interesting. Jesus is sitting because rabbis, when they would teach, they would sit, you know, so he's Mm -hmm. sitting there in that position. And then um, I think, uh, you know, it's really interesting too, because In John chapter three, we lead up to this. I kind of want to read this because I think there's a lot of people that maybe have only heard John 3.16 and haven't heard the whole story. So I'm going to read it really quickly so that we get a little bit more biblical context here. So starting in verse one, it says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except that God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind blows where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst tell whether whether it comes from or whether it goeth. So is every one that is born of the spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak 
that we do know and testify that we have seen and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that come down from heaven, even the son of man, which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent his son not uh, into the world, uh, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believes on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that does evil hates the light, neither comes to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved." But he that doth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. So it's interesting because like all through history, you know, I think people lost this concept of being born again. I think even in the modern church, it's not really talked about very much. But if you go back, like there's some old songs we've even sang, like Hark the Herald Angels Sing. I'm going to mm -hmm. quote it says in the second stanza, mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second, second birth. birth. Yep. So that's a concept that's been out there. That song was written a long, long time ago. They were aware of it. In that John 3.16, it says that we would have everlasting life. And so I think it's really interesting, this concept of life, because... Um, this word here translated from the Greek is a word that's called zoe. And sometimes people, we meet somebody named Zoe. It's yeah. the same word, Z-O-E, Zoe. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> it's translated life here in this verse, but it actually means the, the life as God intended or the God kind of life. So for us to have a, a God kind of life. The second point here, I think that's interesting to bring out is that man is a three-part being. And I think this is something that a lot of people aren't aware of. So we are a spirit. We have a soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions. And we live in a physical body. That's what we are. Mm -hmm. And we can go back to you know Genesis, you know where it says, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And that is in our image, not in my image. It's, it's mm -hmm. a yeah. part, just like God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are spirit, soul, and body. We are also a three-part being. And then the third point here is to truly begin to understand that there is more than a physical death out there. Um, I don't know if you guys know this or not. This is really a sort of a maybe a morose thing to talk about. But every second in this world, two people die. Every second. Hmm. Physically, wow. die. Every, two, every second, two people die. So like, I don't even want to count it. But like, since we started the 
broadcast here, I mean, there's a lot of people who have died. You know, yeah. two more people. Mm-hmm. Two more people. Even since I brought it up, like probably 16, 18 people have died. Like people are checking out of here like really fast. And you mm-hmm. don't know when you're when you're going to go, right? So the thing is, is that there's this false narrative out there that, oh, well, after you die, like God's going to weigh the good and the bad that you did. And like, if the good outweighs the bad, he's going to put it all on this scale. And then from the scale, we're going to know, oh, you got more good than mm-hmm. evil. Hey, yeah. come on in. You're coming through right. the pearly gates. Jesus said multiple times, verily, verily, which is to say, like, I cannot express this more truly. There is no more true thing that I can say than except a man is born again, born of water, meaning, you know, what happens when your water breaks? The baby's born. Baby's so born, yeah. born of the water, right? And born of the spirit. So unless you are physically born into this world and then later born again, your spirit man being born again, you can't, not only can you not enter, you can't even see the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And he says this so expressly, he keeps repeating it saying, truly, truly, like that is a passionate plea that he's giving mm-hmm. to him at this moment. He's like, please, please listen to what I'm saying. You have to be born a second time in order to get in. It's really interesting. There's several things that are actually born again that are in scripture that you might not be aware of if you read through the whole Bible. Um, And one side note I'll I'll put out there too about this is that, you know, uh, the firstborn actually should be the one who gets the inheritance in scripture. Mm -hmm. If you go through scripture, it's most commonly the secondborn who actually... Use the inheritance. Yeah. And so it's interesting because we're born, but then to actually receive the inheritance, we have to be born a second time and we yep. become the one who gets we we are owed it through the first, but we receive it through the second. Mm. Isn't that interesting? And then um the earth actually will be born again. There will be a new earth. The heaven that we hear about in scripture, heaven will be born again. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. They will both be born a second time. Mm. You can read about that in Revelation. And then at the end of all things, you know, rapture and all that stuff happens, we are going to be given a body that we are going to shed the corruptibility of our body and our body will actually be born again. So there's three things that will be born again in scripture other than just our spirit man. Um, I think it's like this concept that we think, oh, well, that's the only place it is. No, it's in multiple places mm-hmm. throughout scripture. So I wanted to actually ask this. Um, I, I think this is a funny side note. And then I want to ask you guys a question, but um, <clears throat> so dad, when my dad passed away, we didn't find this out until my dad died, but um, in his will, he had an inscription that he wanted on his headstone. And, um, you know, you talk about the body, like, okay, the body is going to die and, you know, but your spirit man is what is born again and actually, uh, goes to heaven and spiritual death is when you go, your spirit goes to hell. And that is not where you want to end up for Mm -hmm. eternity. So, you know, your spirit man though, is waiting for the body to be born again so that the two can be back together again. And so my dad's inscription that he wanted on his headstone was, 
Here lies Harry Antis's earth suit. Have it pressed and ready for Jesus is coming soon. What? That is yeah. too cool. That's a pretty good sense of humor. You guys all had to have laughed. Oh, we cracked up. It brought none great. Of the was in there, so we were dying laughing. They had to really lighten the moment. I love that. And I don't know what the scene is, but you're looking at somebody's will after they've passed. You know, it's got to be somber. You know, and you come across that. Oh my you know. gosh, that's a perspective of that's he knew really where good. he was going and what was happening. I mean, yes. he knew. Oh yeah, yeah, he absolutely did. So wow. Um, so I know, um, you know, everybody has this moment where we get to be Nicodemus, right? We have this moment where we walk in our darkness up to the light of the world, and we're exposed to this light, and we know that Jesus went to the cross, right? Which was another dark moment that you want to talk about a dark moment of Nicodemus. Here's another dark moment. Literally the sun was blotted out for these moments when the crucifixion happened, right? Because he took the sin of every man on him and he paid, you know, Romans says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So he took the wages of sin and he gave us the gift if we'll receive what he did and receive that he paid the price for our sin. And when we come to him in that moment of darkness and go, I am here to give up the sin that I have, to give up the darkness I have, and I am here to come into the light of what you provided for me. And I want to receive you as my savior. I want to yield my sin in my life to give it to you just like I did many years ago, like my dad did years ago. And now I want to take my time, my treasure, my talent, and I want to yield it to you and give it back to you. When you take that moment and confess him as Lord, that is the moment at which you're born again. And I'd like to know for you guys, Dave and Stacy, like what was the moment where it was like you handed over the reins of control and said, I want to make you Lord of my life? So I was nine years old, and I went to church camp with my cousin Scott. And um, one of the evenings at church camp, uh, they shared the gospel, and I had like inside me just this burning. Like I, I knew I was supposed to go forward and uh, receive this gift that that Jesus was offering. And so I went to the front, and I asked him to be the uh, Lord and Savior of my life. And like truly, I I was so excited. I just wanted to run around the place. I couldn't wait to get home and share it with my family. So. That was when I accepted Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. And then from there, it really was a journey for me. It was like learning and growing. It wasn't until I was 22 in 1995 um, that I was actually received the gifts of the Holy Spirit by evidence of speaking in tongues. So that came at 22. But even when David and I started dating at 19, um, for me, I was always a, my, like my love language is acts of service. And so for, for Jesus, it was like, I always wanted to do, do things to show him versus really spending quality time with him. And so when I started dating David and we had all these conversations and I would watch him in his interactions and relationship with Jesus, I was like, Oh, that's a relationship. I want to have that. And so it's truly all through my life been this journey of, um, you know, I was I received him at nine, but then getting to know him, and it's constantly new levels that he's taking me to in that relationship. So, I would say that's that's how it started for me. That's awesome. Praise God that it happened at nine years of age. It's yes, 
Unfortunately, I was 24, so I missed a lot of those years. uh, It's, uh, man, that's such a wonderful thing when you live so much of your life in service to him. That's awesome. How about you, you, Dave? Now she gets shofars for Christmas. and I do, and and, uh, (laughs) I have my, uh, here, I'll show you. I get a sword for my birthday. From David, they probably weighs like thirty pounds. I know it's really, really heavy. So yeah, so I I love it. I think it's so much fun. It's funny. I talked to you know buddies. They'll be like, hey, you know, this one a few years ago. What are you getting Stacy for Christmas? I think he's getting his wife earrings or something like that. I'm like, I got her a shofar. He's like. (laughs) Oh, a show what? I go, it's it's, a, it's like a, it's like a whole, whole, ram's horn. It came from Israel, you know? And she's like, he's like, she's going to like this? You know? <laughs> I'm like, she's going to go crazy. It'll be great. <laughs> True. That's awesome. Um, you know, I, I grew up in a, in a definitely a, a, a Christian home. While there was a lot of dysfunction with my parents as far as their divorce and stuff, it was very, like I say, very culturally Christian. I was the youngest of six. And so... By the time I came around, my dad had left when I was pretty much born, you know, in that in that window. But they were both strong believers, like in in a in a very cultural way, like never smoked, never drank, you know, these kind of these kind of things. And so there was these ideas, you know, in my world, you know, early. And I, I was able to my grandma lived with us, and so I I was read to a lot. I was reading before I went into school, you know, mm-hmm. it just but Bible stories were the fundamental part of that. Picture Bible stories. There was always, always around. So the awareness of, of God and like the the language of of his work, Old Testament, New Testament was was around heavy in church and these kind of things. Which is interesting though that there was a visitor at our home that was there to paint the home. He was a Bible college student. He was painting outside and he was staying with us when he when he did it. And he uh oh I felt it's powerful. Uh choked up talking about, but he um I was six years old and we're sitting on a piano bench at my house. I remember it was clear as as sitting right here. And he actually asked me, you know, the question, like, you know, all of these things. And I could quote Bible stories and being the youngest, it was kind of like the, the entertainment factor in the family. You cut, you weren't the fastest or the smartest or whatever, but you, you, you could gain You're attention cute. somehow, you know? Yeah. And so like, I, I knew these stories and, 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 and had a passion for them. But, but he asked me, have you ever accept Jesus into your heart as your savior, ever confess, you know, and it, and walked me through this whole process, you might look at the outside and think, well, what sin does a six-year-old have? And that's the mind that says we kind of justify the, the sacks, you know, versus you're born with a sin nature and you need God in your heart. You need that forgiveness. And so he actually, his name is Frank Nastasi. I've never seen him since. He's never was part of our life or our family. But that day, he actually asked a question that I don't know would have probably come in the culture of Christianity that I was in, because it was more about, are you doing bad things or good things? But they're I don't know that I, no one else ever brought that up of, have you accepted Jesus in your heart? That never came up in a direct conversation. So I could have easily grown up in a very, Hey, this is how you act and behave. So you look like a Christian without Jesus in my heart, actually making that move, you know, without him pinning that down. So, uh, and then it was, you know, kind of began a, a a journey there that I think was more personal and, and, and more encounter based, even as a child than it would have been on just the checklist behavior modification, mm-hmm. you know, model. I, I I knew there was a transformation. I knew that Jesus in my heart after that. Whew, man, that is powerful. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how people can have an impact in other people's lives and then kind of move into your life and then have an impact and then move on out of your life. And yep. it's like, but the impact is eternal. And Dave, I believe that, you know, um, 
that man had an influence on the fact that you guys even have this show today. And how powerful that is, how he's still having an impact on your life, Mm -hmm. even to this day. What an amazing story. Um, You know, I I actually, somebody sent me this like meme the other day. I'm going to read it because it's kind of interesting with this topic. It says, the gospel is not God hatefully saying, turn to me or I'm going to send you to hell. The gospel is God's mercy and grace saying, you're already on your way to hell. Turn to me and I'll save you. And I think that that is such a powerful way because I think we get this picture of God being like up in heaven, like with this fly swatter, just waiting for us right. to step in line so he can like whack us or yeah. something. When really he's like, you know, if I could just get you to hear what I'm saying, you would be able to be with me for all of eternity. And I want nothing more than that. So it's such a powerful, powerful thing when somebody comes and speaks that into our lives. And, you know, um, I was actually praying before we started today, um, you know, in second Corinthians four, four, it says the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers that they wouldn't see the glorious light of the gospel, because if at any time they did, they would could turn and be saved. Mm-hmm. And so my prayer is that the people watching this show today, tomorrow, in the coming days, that the their eyes would be open and those blinders yes. would be removed from them and that they would see him in a new way. I know when I got born again, March 6, 1997, it was because I knew all the Bible stories. Like I could quote them. I knew them. Because I grew up in a house like you, Dave, where we the Bible was around us all the time. We were mm-hmm. always in church. I knew all the stories. But as I came to him that day, I was still in a place where, just like Nicodemus in that painting, my feet were still in the fire, but I was taking a step towards him. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I saw this guy named Jesus who all the stories were about. I realized it's not just stories he is the light of the world. Mm-hmm. He is the Lord yeah. and Savior. He is the one I need to turn to. And I saw him as Savior instead of just the prophet. I saw right. him Ooh. as And so I think there's a lot of people today who are watching. And Dave, I'd like you to maybe just take a moment and ask them the same question and maybe lead them in a prayer where they can receive Christ. But I'd like you to take the position of that man who asked you that day. And why don't you ask all the viewers today whether they've done that or not? Let's mm-hmm. let's end that way today. I think that'd be great. Man, that'd be powerful. You know, and I just, I just ask you, if you're listening to this right now, to to think of your heavenly father as a a father better than whatever encounter experience you've personally had. One that is like on a knee, open arms to a child, not a father that's looking to condemn a father's inviting you into a relationship with him. That is also conditional on your acceptance of it. He's not going to tackle you and force this. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a acknowledgement of, of him. So, um, and also acknowledgement of, of a need for him and that, that, that there is, sin in our world and there's there's sin in you and that not uh, feel bad you've not met his standards most of you same as me you probably haven't even met your own standards mm-hmm. and so um uh he is there to wipe the slate clean and accept you as you are and wipe those things away and begin anew 
uh, regardless of anything, you know, previous mm-hmm. to this discussion. So, um, I guess the, 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 the words that I would lead is, is just simply, I would say, dear heavenly father, I accept that I have sin in my life and I need your forgiveness. And I believe that your son, Jesus Christ, died and gave up his life in my place and paid paid a debt for even my sin that I could have never paid myself. And I accept that he's done this and I accept your forgiveness. And truly, I accept your embrace as my father, as my savior. And I thank you for that right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And I would just say, if any of you are praying that prayer for the first time today, and um, you know, you've had a moment where God has changed you and you can feel that light on the inside, you can feel that change that's happened, then I would say, you know, a great thing for you to do would be to, you know, put something in the comments here in the show and just, you know, mention what happened for you today. Mm-hmm reach out to the flyover conservatives, maybe even go on their website and, um, you know, fill out their form and let them know about your story so that it can encourage other people. And then um, also I would say, go to shawholmes.com forward slash paintings. And I would say, go get the, the painting of Jesus and Nicodemus and hang it on your wall in your home where everybody that comes into your home can see that painting and you can have an opportunity to tell them about the little things that we explain that are in this painting today. And you can have an opportunity to turn it from just a painting hanging on a wall that my dad painted with oils to being a tool that is the oil of the Holy Spirit that you can then put on somebody else and you can ask them to receive Jesus as Lord of their life and make a change in their life that maybe many years later will have an impact like what Flyover Conservatives podcast did and the man who led Dave and the people who helped Stacy when she was nine years old and the people who led me to the Lord so many years ago, you can have an impact on others. And so I would just ask you to go do that so you can use that as a tool to kind of explain to people that story of John chapter three and make a difference in their life too. If you've ever had a hard time, like knowing how to talk to people about it, this is a great way to open up the conversation. So that would be my suggestion for people today. And um, Dave, Stacy, thank you so much for sharing your story it's great to hear it. Um, and just for you to share it, I bet a lot of the viewers today mm-hmm. probably are loving being able to hear that story. And Dave, I love how the emotion comes out of you when you share stuff like that. Um, you are uh, look like such a tough guy on the outside, but man, you are <laughs> tough on the inside. So, uh, on on issues it. like this, or if you're watching a movie and like a dog dies or something, you know, then I'm then, then the sprinklers will come on. Other than that, I, I, I eat, eat rusty nails. So, <laughs> Oh, Aaron, as always, this has been so powerful. Thank you for your time. Thank you for bringing these stories to life to share this with us. Thank you for finding these paintings and bringing them to us and the Flyover family. We really appreciate everything that you're doing. Yes. Amen. Well, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. It's my honor to be here. Thanks for continuing to invite me back, and I look forward to the next time. 
Do your feet ache and throb in pain with every step you take every day of your life? Well, kiss those days goodbye with slippers from MyPillow.com. How about that flimsy, flat little excuse for a pillow that's nothing but eight hours of disappointment? Causing you pain in your neck every single night. You can wake up with nothing but butterflies and rainbows around your head with a MyPillow pillow. Those hard wood floors hurting your old bones. No more with a MyPillow dog bed. Are your towels worn thin, flimsy, more patchy than Joe Biden's memory? There's nothing better than absorbent towels from MyPillow.com. For all of these products and more, go to MyPillow.com, use promo code FLYOVER for up to 66% off. Looks like you've been sleeping well. Megan, he's back. The my pillow guy. And you're looking good. Still feeling good. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, we've got the best pillow ever. My pillow 2.0. When I invented my pillow, it had everything you'd ever want in a pillow. Well, now there's new technology that makes it even better. My pillow 2.0 has my patented fill combined with a cooling fabric with temperature regulating thread. My pillow 2.0 is truly the next generation of my pillow. The best sleep just got even better. Whether you have a MyPillow or not, you need to get the brand new MyPillow 2.0. Call or go to MyPillow.com now. Use your promo code, and for a limited time, when you buy one, you'll get a second one absolutely free. You're sleeping even better. And cooler, too. And you're looking good. Feeling good. I knew you would. Visit MyPillow.com. We have a brand new sponsor for the Flyover Conservative Show, Heaven's Harvest. So exciting. We've been really excited about this partnership because for about two years now, our level of awareness has increased on things that can go wrong in the world. Not just the, the big major stuff, but ice storms in Texas and things that you know you don't plan on. And I guess a level of personal responsibility of like, hey, we have people that we care for that depend on us. And so... We've been tiptoeing into it, but it's overwhelming. It's like, what do I do next? And so we've made little steps in that process, but we've been asking everyone we know, everyone we respect in this space, hey, who's a good supplier of things? Who has food Who has food that you would actually eat if you if you had to, that without eating styrofoam that you'd be gagging down if you lost a bet? You know, like, like real actual food that if you put it away for storage, that when it came time to do it, would be palatable, as well as, as heirloom seeds. You know, a lot of the seeds nowadays, you plant them, they're not, they're not, you can't reproduce with them. You know, they're, they've been uh, genetically modified and, and really messed up. So we've been asking people we, we, yep. we, we really respect. Somebody we get a lot of advice from personally, we've made a lot of small moves in our life from is Seth Olhouse with Man in America. And, and uh, we kind of went off of his lead as well as some others. And so we are super excited about this partnership because they're willing to give a massive discount to the Flyover family. That's exactly right. When you go to heavensharvest.com and you use promo code FLYOVER, you get 10% off. What a great deal. We are so thankful and excited about this partnership. Are you having a hard time sleeping at night thinking, what am I going to do about my finances? You know, times are really changing. They're changing fast. Let me give you a quick example of how in 1920, if you had a $20 bill and one ounce of gold, you could go into any men's clothing store and buy an entire suit. Wow. You could buy the, the jacket, the shirt, the belt, shoes, the whole bit. 
Today, that's what dollar bill. What's it going to get you? Not much. Maybe the socks, maybe a <laughs> handkerchief, but the one ounce of gold could still buy you the entire suit at any men's store in America. That's the difference. That's what inflation does to your dollar. It's a deflating dollar caused by inflation. Now today, that's happening faster than ever. You need somebody that you trust that can help get you out of a fake currency and into something that's going to keep you safe. And we know a guy that has two PhDs by the name of Dr. Dr. Kirk Elliott. We have known him for over 25 years, and he's someone we completely trust. You need somebody that you can get a hold of, somebody that's going to be there for you to get back out of it, and then maybe back into the stock market, maybe back into something else when things settle down. But right now is not that time. You need somebody that you trust and somebody you can call and make those worries go away. That's exactly right. So you can go to flyovergold.com. Dot com, fill out your information for your free consultation, or you can call 720-605-3900. Do it today. You'll be glad you did. For more great content, go to flyoverconservatives.com.